This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Paint.tv slash gold, where seven days a week, two hours a day, we are exposing, we are dissecting, we are analyzing the technocratic transhumanists and their mission to dismantle humanity. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to jump right back into this video. I rolled it back a few seconds. Let's listen to Pekka Lundmark at the World Economic Forum. Again, this is from May 2022. On, on the industrial side, it means that, that, first of all, everything that makes sense to connect will be connected. But not only that, there will be a physical world and then there will be a digital world. There will be pretty much a digital twin of everything out there on the industrial side. And what that has mean in practice, it means that a lot of the work that is currently done in the physical world will actually be modeled and sometimes implemented in the digital world. Predictive maintenance has been discussed for a long time, but now with the help of industrial metaverse that will get significantly more advanced. We will know when the machines will fail, but not only that, the maintenance technicians will have direct real-time access through the digital world into those machines and they will get trained in that world also imagine a what would be a good example a nuclear power plant maintenance uh, engineer it's a very complicated environment that whole training onboarding and all of that can be done in the digital world and they will be able to train all kinds of failure situations with the digital twin before they go actually into the physical world Okay, let's pause there for a second. I broke all this down for you in episode 49, so I don't want to rehash all of it and bore you to death, but what he is talking about, oh, sorry, folks, my something froze up there for a second. I said that uh, we went over all this in episode 49, so I don't really want to rehash this uh, all over again for you and bore you to death. But what Pekka is talking about there is this concept of the industrial metaverse. And he's saying that pretty much everything in the industrial world will also have a digital twin. And therefore, you will be able to put on some sort of virtual reality headset and go inside of the metaverse to see a complete duplicate of the real world that we live in and that they are going to do all of the training for certain tasks working in factories working in the nuclear uh, power plant as he says uh, inside of this metaverse and he's going to get into how they can actually use the robots to go out there basically like elon musk uh, optimist to go out and um you know, fix things in the factory and the human can control it inside of the metaverse. And folks, that's totally bogus. That is the bridge 
That is the bridge. So first, they have to sell people on this idea that this is a good thing. This is about safety. This is about protecting you, looking out for you. And if they can sell us on that idea as they're building this, you see where this is going. Okay, why would they even need a human inside of a metaverse to be trained in the metaverse to then go out and work in the real world? And if they're going to then replace the human in the real world with a robot, why would they even need a human inside the metaverse to control the robot out in the real world? It'll just end up being autonomous robots. It's so obvious to see. So the human is going to be used to train its replacement. And let's put this into context. You remember in the Lars Butler series on Artificial Intelligence Foundation, I showed you all of my personal emails with Robert Mallory at the Artificial Intelligence Foundation when they were trying to hire one of my voice actors to help train their Barack Obama simulation, their Barack Obama digital twin, mind twin. Okay, but eventually that actor would no longer be needed to control the deep fake video of Barack Obama because, and think of it like a, a digital puppet of Barack Obama, because eventually the goal was to have an artificial intelligence uh, brain behind the deep fake puppet that actually controls it. And so my actor might have gotten paid decent money to help train the system, but then he was training his replacement, which was going to be the artificial intelligence. You remember over the years we've heard all these horror stories uh, Donald Trump, for instance, he brought out in 2015-16 during the presidential campaign a group of Disney animators, I believe it was. And they talked about how degrading it was to have to train all of these Indian H-1B visa guys to do their jobs that then they were going to be laid off. They were going to be replaced by the people they were training. Well, that's what we are doing. They are having you train the artificial intelligence, which will then power the actual physical robot. So my message here, all right, to obviously I talked about the cashiers. I talked about the waiters. I talked about the actors. Each time we hit on one of these industries where the human is going to be replaced by technology, by artificial intelligence, by a robot, is to just say, no, I'm not going to do this. I refuse. You could start to put together mini unions within your workforce. You're going to need to do that. The human union, it needs to be called. The human union. And put aside your petty political differences because they are working to replace us. And so when these companies like Nokia here Pekka Lundmark, right in his bio, saying he supports the fourth industrial revolution, need to start saying, I'm not training a robot to do this. I'm not training artificial intelligence to do this. Get together with your other employees. Your regular traditional union is not going to represent you. They're on board with this stuff. All right. They show up at World Economic Forum also. Those guys, as long as they're getting a golden parachute from somebody, they really don't care what happens to you. You're going to have to start organizing in your workplace and telling these people, no, I'm not training a robot and I'm not training artificial intelligence. There's no way around this, folks. This is the battle that we face. 
the battle that we face is right here. And if you go start your own company, like like I've worked for myself for 20 years, been involved with a lot of different industries, um, you can do that. But if you're going to refuse to get on board with the tech, the younger guy starting the same business as you who's a uh, competitor is going to be the one chosen for those tasks because the middle management moving into the positions inside the big companies that hire the contractors are going to go with the guy who's using the tech so the only way to beat this back is to start waking up other people to the fact that they are training their replacement all right let's continue your power plant fails it's a disaster you don't want to go in radiation is leaking not a good situation but you want to prevent that so yes but let's say it happens is it conceivable that in the future you will have such a good digital twin that you'll be able to go into the metaverse into a virtual reality world turn a dial, pull a switch, feel around, and actually change it in the real oh, abso- plant? Absolutely, absolutely. And this is, not, this is not far far off. I mean, the physical and the digital worlds, they will grow together. And the result is exactly what you just said. Okay, the physical and digital worlds will grow together. Do you see that? So as the physical world grows, they'll have the digital copy of everything. Uh, we've talked about this I think with Maria Albanese, I've talked about it on this show. She's brought some of the content that I shared with her over to the Thomas Paine podcast. But we talked about the 3D scanning of the grocery store environments going on. So that eventually what is going to happen is that when there is a shortage of tuna, you know, cans of tuna on the shelf, a robot will come right out of the back and stock the shelf with the tuna. All right, so right now, how are they selling it as they're walking around scanning the stores? They're telling the Instacart grocery shoppers, the grocery shopping service workers, that um, this 3D scan is going to help them inside the app be able to find products better. They're telling the workers at the store that it's going to help them with inventory. It's going to make their job easier to do inventory. Folks, they are being replaced i will tell you right now the woman who was the in-store manager for instacart an instacart employee at this big grocery store wegmans about 15 minutes from me one of the last three family-owned grocery store chains in america was tasked with walking around very nice lady very bright was tasked with walking around and 3d scanning the store and sending the scans over to this israeli tech company that was hired by Instacart. And she shared some information with me. I picked her brain. I gave this to Marie Albanese. She talked about it on the Thomas Paine podcast before uh, I launched the Dust and Gold Standard. And about three weeks after she was finished, and she was a manager for Instacart, so she ran a portion of the store where Instacart workers would come in and pick up Instead of shopping the whole order, which is called full service, they would come in and they'd pick up an order that was shopped by an in-store employee of Instacart who would just stay in the store all day and shop. And they would bag up groceries, put them in freezers and coolers and on a shelf. And then a contractor would come in and pick this stuff up and go deliver it. That was called a delivery-only order. And then she also managed 
Wegman's employees who would shop orders, bag them up, and then they would be ready in this room. They called staging the order for when the person showed up for curbside pickup, and then they would bring it out to them. Well, about three weeks after she finished scanning the store, Instacart laid her off. Done. Boom. Your job is done, lady. Get out of here. You're being replaced. Thank you for helping us scan the store. We no longer need you. So stop training your replacement. Let's continue. This is now, Nick. I mean, like we work with uh, National Grid, which is a utility company. It's dangerous to send people out there. You have a Boston Dynamics robot with our AI on the back end going to fix power lines. One of the LNG terminals in Australia has uh, robots in there because it's dangerous for humans to go in, and they go in and they'll turn dials. Now, it is, I'll say, augmented. It's not completely autonomous. So the robot is feeding camera signals, other signals back uh, to an operator or an engineer. They're telling the robot what to do. But the AI is also making recommendations of what to do. Okay, so you just heard this guy. This is another man at the World Economic Forum panel discussion. And he just said they're already using the robots in the field. They're not completely autonomous yet, meaning they don't just think for themselves yet. They have a human behind them providing input. But he said the robots can now give input back and make suggestions. But see, once they're completely autonomous then there is no need for the human anymore. Do you see it? We're very close to this. Very, very close, ladies and gentlemen. And once it reaches that point, okay, once it reaches the point in which they fully replace a human with a robot, then the next question is, what happens to the human? And that's where you fall into what Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of the World Economic Forum in the Fourth Industrial Revolution, has said publicly that humans are going to have to constantly retrain themselves because they will keep being replaced by technology to the point when technology grows exponentially and humans no longer will be needed to which you reach the point that ray kurzweil sort of the modern philosopher of this uh, technocratic transhumanism to the point in which he calls singularity of which peter thiel is behind and is sponsored going back to 2006 which is when the artificial intelligence surpasses the intelligence of humanity in which you reach what they call singularity where humans will have no choice but to merge with artificial intelligence and the machine all right ladies and gentlemen let that sink in i'll be right back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, it is me, Dustin Gold, right here on the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold, folks. It is not too late to fight back. Just say no to the tech. Don't bring it into your house. And just say no to your bosses out there and tell them that you are not going to train your replacement. 
Look up the CEOs of the companies you work for and see if they're on board with the fourth industrial revolution because if they are then they are not your friend folks they are not your friend all right let's continue with this video here it's going to jump back to pekka lundmark just to bookend where this first discussion started on the industrial metaverse and then we're going to fast forward this to another clip that's very important all right here we go so this is now it seems extremely cool. Okay, it's let's happening get- now, even in the data center space. It's <laughs> augmented reality. We use it all the time to repair systems. So let's talk a little about, Julie mentioned we want to set the rules for the metaverse. We want to set our priorities. We want to get everything right because some people believe that not all the rules have been set exactly correct for the tech sector over the last 10 years with maybe some consequences. What are the choices we need to make now around the metaverse that will affect how it develops in a beneficial way? Anyone can take that. Ruth? Well, if you build off of the work that was done around AI ethical principles, I think you have a mm-hmm. starting point. And one of the points that we've spent quite a bit of time on is if you just replicate the world we live in today, we'll recreate and propagate all of the biases that have been built into society. So you need. Okay. So now they're talking about um, the ethics behind building the new metaverse, right? And so we know all about ethics, folks. We're going to get into that shortly from the military side of things, the ethics in developing the cyborg soldier. And so they're going to get into a short discussion here on the ethics, as she said right there. If they just make a duplicate, if the digital world is just a complete twin of the physical world then all of the biases will come into this so we've heard the technocrats the transhumanists talk about this before right so let's just take them at face value let's pretend that they really want to build this new digital world to make it a better place a utopia for all right so she's talking about now engineering the biases out of the physical world as they turn it into the digital world. So now the technocrats and the transhumanists, the people working to engineer humanity out of existence, are now going to form the ethical basis for the inner workings and governance of the metaverse. Let's give her a few more seconds, and I'm going to move over to this uh, other part, which I find to be fascinating. To include humanists, social scientists, you need to bring different perspectives and marry that with computer scientists so that you can actually start to ask yourself, what are the issues that we need to protect? That's one of the core starting points. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay, so again, they're getting into the discussion of the ethics behind the metaverse. Now, a question for you. I mean, seriously, folks, do you want these people the very people who have declared war on humanity, the people talking about developing these autonomous robots that will take the place of the human worker, do you want them running the governing council of the metaverse that they want to drive us into? I don't. I don't want to even go into the metaverse. I sure as hell don't want to go into the metaverse if that's where I'm going to be forced. If the very engineers, scientists, CEOs, and technocratic transhumanists that are working to engineer the real world away are going to be on the governing councils. But that ties you right back into Elon Musk 
one of the biggest fork tongue devils who tells you AI is dangerous, but yet he is the one building it and that everything will be okay, according to Joe Rogan, as long as Elon Musk sits on the governing council that governs the technology that's going to destroy us because Musk will destroy us less than the others, even though he's the guy building it, he should be able to govern it. I mean, you know, do you see, it's just this repeat narrative going on. It's just going on and on and on. It's this cycle. And what's happening, and we're going to show you this through the military side of things shortly, is that there is a normalization campaign that's going on, as I mentioned earlier. But it's even more complex because going back to the 2019 Cyber Soldier document and the uh, 2020 uh, podcast on military.com left a boom featuring these mad scientists. They actually talk about how they are going to have to normalize this idea with the civilian population, that it can't just be the government that is building it. They have to get this out into, you know, the private sector, as you're seeing right here on the World Economic Forum discussion. And you're starting to see coming from some of these pundits and some of these influencers out there, as I mentioned to you, and through entertainment. So they want the military, the state wants to have the public accept it, if not accept it, at least just hear about it and ignore it, because then if we don't fight back against it, if we accept it, if we just go, okay, whatever, it's here, two plus two equals five, I don't care, then we did not actually fight back against them, and their karma is intact, their conscience is clear, all right? That's how they look at this, folks. All right, let me move forward to this other clip here. Uh, we'll play it right now. Then it can't break it. Pecker, are you hardening your industrial systems for future quantum attacks? Okay, so now this is a discussion on sort of quantum computing, and once they reach this certain point, then all the cybersecurity they already developed over the last decade will be rendered useless. Uh, and I am going to review this entire World Economic Forum conference uh, shortly, probably in another five, six episodes. I have a lot more to get through before I come back to this. But it's a very important discussion, and we do have to break the whole thing down for you. But let's continue right here. And this is going back to Pekka Lundmark, the CEO of Nokia. Well, I mean, as I said, security is now inbuilt in everything. And going back to the quantum question, this will be highly relevant for the communications networks uh, as well. Right now, we are all building 5G networks, as we know. But by the time comp uh, quantum computing is maturing for commercial applications, we are going to be talking about 6G. And 6G will hit the commercial market around 2030. And as I said earlier, we're going to have a digital twin of everything, and that's going to require massive computational resources. Okay, so... He is talking about how we are currently building 5G. Again, this is from May of 2022. 
all right, so not long ago. And he's talking about how they're launching 5G now, but by 2030, and 2030 is a big year in all this, folks, Agenda 2030, all these 2030 sustainable goals. We've covered some of that here with Maria Albanese. But he's talking about by 2030, 6G will be rolled out. And if you remember during the Trump presidency, Trump was like, 5G's awesome, we want 5G, it's incredible, unbelievable, bring on 6G, we want 6G. And everybody laughed, they thought it was a joke, but here you go. Now you have the CEO of Nokia, this guy saying there'll be a fusion of the digital and physical worlds, and now by 2030 they're going to roll out 6G. All right, let's continue. Including over-the-air interface. It's, it's a significant computing challenge to be able to transmit all those bits that the industrial metaverse will need over the air. We are going to need at least 100 times, if not 1,000 times faster, faster uh, networks uh, over the uh, air. So their com- quantum computing definitely may play a significant role already in the 6G era. The question will be that there's going to be a lot of distributed computing in 6G. Small cloud servers here and there and, and, and a lot of intelligence in the, in, the, in the radio stations and radio base stations and so on that will quantum computing scale to decentralized applications as well or counter argument how long will it be relevant only for, for massive centralized data centers. That's something that at least to me is still, still an unanswered question. Okay, so what he's talking about there is these centralized data centers and then these decentralized data and all this information is going to be flying through the air and going to have to be able to be transferred around. And folks, this is probably as we dig deeper into this, and it's coming, trust me, where Starlink, Elon Musk company out of the SpaceX program uh, with the satellites being launched around the globe and all of this satellite internet going on. Uh, as they begin to sort of normalize that and desensitize people to that by having Elon Musk play the part of Tony Stark and give out his Starlink receivers to the poor people in Ukraine, or he gave them to Ron DeSantis. I know everyone's new hero, Ron DeSantis. Okay, you believe what you want to believe, you know, to each his own. But Ron DeSantis accepts all these Starlink receivers from Elon Musk. Then Musk is helping with the latest hurricane that just happened because uh, Tony Stark has to come to the rescue. Of course, Florida has survived many hurricanes without the help of Elon Musk. So that's what Pekka is talking about here where he's getting into the idea of how this data is going to be uh, passed around now he's talking about data going through the air and encryption and everything else well if we tie this into the concept of sort of the Neuralink style AI brain chip and the information that's going to be passed back and forth via our brains, brain-to-brain communication, as our buddies over in the military have been talking about on the podcast we're about to jump back into on the next segment. You know, there's going to be a lot of data floating around in the air, folks. We're basically going to be doing, you know, Apple airdrops back and forth between our heads if these guys have it correct, whether it's through a brain chip or whether it's through a transcranial electronic stimulation helm 
helmet or the uh, N-Cube program that we saw DARPA is working on through the Brain Initiative. Oh, there's going to be data passed around everywhere. Let me finish up right here before the break with another comment from Pekka Lundmark. Now, this made it onto social media. A lot of people have passed this around, but this is the World Economic Forum conference that it came from. So let me just show that to you. I want right, to ask so, when you all think we're going to move from this form factor to something that's on your face glasses and compu- when computing's all on the edge. All right. 50 seconds. Who wants to answer quickly? I think it will go. It, it will, first of all, it will definitely happen. I, I, I was talking about 6G earlier, which is around 20, 2030. I would say that by then, definitely the smartphone as we know it today will not anymore be, be the usual kind of the most common interface. Wow. This, this, many of these things will be built directly into our, our, our bodies. And one of the... Um, let, let, let's pause that for one second, folks, because I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat. And you're saying, wait, what did he just say? So let's uh, play that again. Go. It, it will, first of all, it will definitely happen. I, I, I was talking about 6G earlier, which is around 20, 2030. I would say that by then, definitely the smartphone as we know it today will not anymore be, be the usual kind of the most common interface. Wow. This, this, many of these things will be built directly into our, our, our bodies. Okay, this is the CEO of Nokia on Nokia.com in his bio saying that he has the skills central to the transition into the fourth industrial revolution. He spoke earlier on 6G being here by 2030, and he said by the same time the smartphone will no longer be the number one form of communication, that many of these communication devices will be built into our bodies. Did you get that? Now, I know on social media for people that don't follow this show or don't research into depth they automatically think oh my god it's a mark of the beast it's a chip but you guys have a solid understanding of all of the ways that these guys could put technology into our bodies and connect us up to the internet of bodies essentially the internet of things the internet of all things of everything and so you just heard it there at a world economic forum panel discussion i think there's a little more let me just play this and one of the um, important statements we've, I think, made at our most recent developers conference is that we believe that one of the big advantages of augmented reality is actually solving problems here on Earth. And it will be things like having glasses and being able to translate as you speak with glasses. And those are very Hol- close. Holograms, holograms will be very, very high, high quality in the era of 6, 6G. I've already seen 5G-based hologram uh, demonstrations. They already work. But then with the next generation technology, I mean, we could be having, having this meeting so that in reality we would be sitting in different parts uh, of the world. All right. Well, I've enjoyed seeing you for the last time. I'll ever see you in person. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you next Davos. Thank you. All right. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You've got Pekka Lundmark there saying that there's going to be holograms in the world of 6G. They don't even have to be sitting in the same space anymore. That is the metaverse. Well, that's why I had the guest on yesterday, folks, because as he said, as someone who comes from live entertainment, who is a big wig in the Broadway world, he does not see people replacing 
um, live experiences with the metaverse. But we shall see because true transhumanist technocrats like Pekka Lundmark and these folks at the World, e- uh, World Economic Forum are talking about putting on the AR headsets, transferring data back and forth to each other, watching holograms instead of being there in person with other people. And as Pekka said, the smartphone will be gone by 2030 and they will implant communication technology inside of our bodies. Folks, when we get back, let's roll back into the military.com Left the Boom podcast and get back to our friends, Dr. Peter Emanuel and Dr. Diane Deulius, talking about the Cyborg Soldier 2050. And it all ties back into everything we just reviewed, folks. It's all one big group, all one big circle, all one big sphere of psychopathic transhumanists. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. <laughs> 